Last weekend, uh, many of you know I wasn't here. I was in Denver helping conduct a wedding for Ashley Truman, who grew up, grew up here. Her mom and dad, Gary and Lynn, are still a part of this church and active here. Anyway, after the, as the wedding closed, I, I was able to catch up with a friend that I don't get to see that often. Uh, but m- some of you know him because he was my predecessor here at Faith Westwood, and that's uh, Doug Delp, who's still pastor in North Platte. Uh, after the wedding, Doug and I, we talked for a good while, then it was time for the dinner, and we sat by each other, so we talked for about two hours, nearly nonstop, and uh, I, I so appreciate getting to have a friend like Doug. We started being pastors in this conference about the same time, and we usually find time to connect at annual conference for a little bit, and, and so before the end of our conversation, we, we made plans to how we can try to see each other a little more often. Because we just connected at such a level, we felt like we, need, we just need to keep that up. Uh, Facebook says that I have 543 friends. Although, I have to say, I'm not really sure how good of friends we all are to each other on Facebook. Um, but I want you to know that even though I don't post on there very much anymore, I, you're not going to get to know the real Steve Todd on social media. All you're going to get is the me that I want you to see. All you're going to get is the me that wants to look clever or funny or talented or smart. You know, all you're going to see is the me that I project for you to see, which is just a little bit of who I am. It's not the real me. So today we start a series called Befriend, and it's about the value of real friendships and how we see those uh, coming into our lives. And real friendships are one of the most valuable things you can ever have in life, one of the most valuable things in the world. Real friendships are more valuable than a paid-off mortgage and a winning season and and a weekend with nothing on the calendar. Real friendships. So right now what I'm going to do, and we, we do this from time to time here at Faith Westwood, I'm going to ask you to turn to two, maybe to, into groups of two or three and, uh, and respond to this question. Think of a close friend. How does spending time with this close friend affect how you feel about yourself? Now this one's going to make you think a little bit. And... Um, so obviously, you know, you, you, if you're going to connect with a few other people, you might have to slide down and, you know, can I join you? And, and of course, if you don't want to share, you don't have to. Just feel free to listen. But anyway, so take a minute or two. Just give it a try, okay?
Okay, how'd it go? Yeah? How do do you feel after uh, being with some really close friends that, you know, spending time with them? You know, on Friday night, I got to go to a 40th graduation uh, reception, 40, 40 years since graduation from college. Oh. But anyway, it was great. I got to see some friends I have not seen in decades. I mean, people that, you know, I, I had been really close to and still feel very uh, bonded with over our past experiences. But, at, but spending time with them and getting to really uh, have some good talk with them, I felt affirmed. I felt energized. I felt happier. I, and uh, also, I made some connections. You know, I've got a, a friend now who lives in Vancouver that I've made a reconnection with and have his email and phone number and may even want to go see someday. So uh, anyway, uh, I also have a, a close friend, an, uh, not in that group, but a close friend from seminary uh, that I've known since then, one of my best friends. Uh, and of course, obviously, when you're in school, you know, those are certain kinds of relationships, right? Where you, you're kind of bound there on campus and you're doing things together all the time. And life changes. You graduate, you move apart, you have families. Uh, things are different. Uh, but anyway, a couple decades after seminary, we, also, we had the opportunity to live closer together again. So we could, we could get together. Uh, we spent a lot of time together. Socially, we, we became sort of a, um, accountability partners. We prayed for each other. And then after a few years, something happened. And for, for reasons of confidentiality, I'm not going to share with you what it was that happened, but it was traumatic. And I can tell you that our friendship did not weather that storm very well. There was, there was some shame experienced. There was some sort of an undercurrent of, of blame going on. We grew distant from each other. And, and I can tell you that there was fault on both sides. But it was a really big loss. And sometimes that's the end of the story. But in this case, it was not. And in the last few years, he and I have been trying to rebuild. Because we have, we have a lot of history together. Uh, and we realize how valuable friendships are. If you can reclaim them, something you've, someone you've, been, that you've had so much been through so much with. If you can reclaim that, it's, worth, it's, it's, it's very valuable in your life. Tricia has a group uh, from college um, who are, are really close friends, and I got to know some of them at seminary, and we've got to know more of them over the years. Anyway, several years ago, we gathered together for a reunion at a hotel. And uh, I remember we sat out in, in, in the evening out in kind of a patio area outside the hotel with a, a fire pit in the middle of us, and uh, just kind of shared and caught up with each other about what was going on. And one of the couples opened up, and when they did, it was just like a dam burst forth. All of the pain that they had been through. And, uh, I mean, we knew a little bit about it, but we didn't know this much. And, I mean, it was, it, it, if this had been a movie, if their, if their story had been a movie, it had been too sad for me to watch. <laughs> but they lived it. And we just sat around that fire, and we listened to each other, and we, uh, we, we cried some, 
At the end, we prayed some. And, and since then, the, the ten of us have gotten together nearly every year. Because we, re- we recognize that, that that night, when that one couple poured out their souls about what they had been through, it, it created a bond, a stronger bond than we'd ever had before. And, we, and so we, we continue to meet together and connect, keep connected to each other because we realize that real friendships are worthy of that kind of investment. One of the most valuable things in your life. And yet, many of us also recognize that we struggle to build those kind of friendships, to sustain those kind of friendships. And one reason is that whether we realize it or not, we often sabotage our friendship potential. Do you realize that? We do things inadvertently sometimes without realizing it at other times. We sabotage our friendship potential. For example, we settle for superficial friendships where we don't really talk about anything more than the weather or what we're going to have for dinner. Or we settle for one-dimensional friendships where, you know, I only are friends with people who are pretty much like me, look like me, uh, you know, same stage in life, same team you root for. I mean, pretty vanilla, right? Sometimes we settle for transactional relationships where, yeah, you get what you want, I get what I want, thank you, goodbye. So we settle. We sabotage. How do we do that? What's going on? Well, let's go back to the beginning. And, and if you were to read in Genesis 3, and that might be a great place to read today, Genesis 1 through 3. The, in Genesis 3, the man and the woman, they disobey God and, and uh, their sin of disobedience, uh, it, it has consequences. Uh, suddenly they become self-conscious and embarrassed. And, and you remember what they do? They sew, they sew clothing. They, make, they take fig leaves and they sew clothing for themselves to cover up. In the previous chapter, they were unified by God in marriage, man and woman, and they were, the Bible says they were naked and unashamed. But shame crept into the picture. Shame is that feeling that I'm inadequate. Shame says... I'm not good enough. And shame makes us want to hide. So the Bible says in the evening, uh, God came to walk with the man and the woman in the garden. And what do they do? They run and they hide in the bushes. Fortunately, God didn't have any trouble finding them. And God asked the man if he ate from the tree that he told him not to eat from. And what does the man say? He kind of snaps a little bit. The woman you put here with me, yeah, the woman, she gave me some of that fruit. So instead of taking response, I mean, what he said was true, but what he was really diverting, when he wasn't taking responsibility for himself, but he was blaming her, and really he was also blaming God, because you're, you're the one who gave her to me. Uh, and then God turns to the woman, and what does she do? She blames the serpent. It's a serpent's fault. He tricked me. Well, it's kind of true, but it's also passing the buck, right? And see, the great thing about this story is that it's about us. We are the, the, the man and woman in the garden. We repeat their story. That's why when we read it, we see ourselves. 
We hide from each other. We hide from God. We, 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 are, we feel ashamed. We get angry. We, we attack. We, we blame. And that's how so often we sabotage our friendships, these friendships that we so deeply need. And you know what? I do it. I did it this week. So here's the good news. God wants to restore your friendship potential. And that, that's, our, that's my thought for the day, the big theme, the thing I want you to take home and think about all week. So if you would, write it down to take on, a little, on the back of your bulletin or something and take it with you and, and sort of hold that thought. God wants to restore your friendship potential. And... and uh, I want to ask you to, to say it with me now, but say it as if you're talking to yourself. All right? Let's try it. God wants you to restore your friend. I, I messed it up. Sorry. Let's try again. <laughs> God wants to restore your friendship potential. You hear that, Steve? God wants to restore your friendship potential. Uh, if you are in a faith group, uh, and, and if your group, most of our groups are going through the Befriend, Befriend series as well. And every week you're going to see a short video. And a part of that video is going to feature Pastor Scott Sauls. And in his book uh, about Befriend, he talks about a, uh, a friend uh, called Jane. I'm not sure if Jane is her real name or one he put in for the book. But Jane was a friend, a, a follower of Jesus. And she also kind of had a bad mouth. She cursed a lot. She was abrasive. She could be rude. She could run you over with her words. And one day, Scott gently reminded Jane of how we are the aroma of Christ and how we are to cultivate the fruit of gentleness. And in a non-judgmental way, he reminded her of a verse that was actually in a scripture reading from last Sunday, Ephesians 4.29, says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. And he wasn't sure how she was going to respond to that. But a little later, he received an email from her. Here's what she said. Dear Scott, can I be honest with you? Can I share with you some of the demons that haunt me? It feels risky to say these sort of things to my pastor, but here goes. I doubt my love for Jesus. Sometimes I don't I think I really love him at all. I wonder if I'm just playing a game, going through the motions because I enjoy being around Christians. Sometimes I feel like a, a well-intentioned fraud. This terrifies me. I, I fear that I'm an outsider to things that I really want to be a part of. And she signed it, Struggling On, Jane. And that's when Scott began to see Jane differently. His opinion of her grew higher, not lower, when she confessed her doubts and her fears. He, he was even proud of her vulnerability. And he could relate to her as well. 
Scott Saul says, we are all messed up and damaged and afraid, aren't we? We acted out in some of the oddest ways. The sooner we admit this to each other, that we are in many ways weak, restless, and much afraid, the easier it will be to love each other better. You know, the thing that I love most about my faith group uh, is when one of us opens up about something we're going through. Maybe it's painful. Maybe it's challenging. It's uh, just hard. And, and it's when we dare to admit our weakness. And, and those are the times when we really bond as a group. In the mid-first century, uh, the, the Jesus followers in Rome were really sharply divided with the, with the Jewish Christ followers in one camp and the Gentile uh, Christ followers in another camp. And, and both groups thought they were better than the other one. And so the Apostle Paul writes him this big, long letter, tries to set him straight, and he says, hey, folks, we're all sinners. We've all rebelled, which is like declaring war on God. But he says, hey, the gospel is good news, good news for both groups. So let's open our Bibles to a portion of that letter, shall we? Romans chapter 5, uh, starting with verse 1. In the Pew Bible, it's on page 1130, which is almost what time it is. 1130. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, uh, we want to help with that. Just take that Bible home with you. You can have it and keep it and start reading today. Um, our ushers will stick another one in after the service. Okay, uh, verse 1, we're going to start there. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. Now, I'll stop for a second and talk about that word justified. It means that our relationship with God has been restored. And in the previous chapter, Paul lays out a case that our relationship with God is restored by faith, not by achievement. Very, very big thing he had to say. Wanted to really get this across to them. That our relationship with God is restored not by, by faith and not by achievement. And then he says, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. It all works the same. Simply by faith in Christ, God brings you into a restored relationship with himself. And that is, I mean, that's good news, right? That's gospel. That's amazing grace. Simply by faith in Christ, God brings me into a restored relationship with himself. So, let's start over verse 1. Okay, with me? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in this particular sentence, the word peace doesn't mean the feeling of peace or inner peace, although that can grow out of it. Uh, Here, peace means the end of hostilities. Uh, It it means that, that we were enemies with God, Because of our sin and our rebellion, but God has made peace with us through His Son. God has ended the hostilities between us. There's a story about Abraham Lincoln that I found, and I I also have to tell you, I can't verify that it's true, okay? But it's it's still a great illustrative story. 
Anyway, during the Civil War, a southern soldier was freed from a prison camp because he was too wounded to really go back and fight anymore. Uh, today, we probably say he has a permanent disability. Uh, he tried to get an audience with President Lincoln because he wanted to ask him to, if he would release his brother from prison camp because now his brother would be their mom's sole support. But of course, uh, you know, he'd, he'd walk up to the White House and the guards wouldn't let him in. He, he, had, he couldn't get access to the president. Well, one day, the president's young son, Tad Lincoln, was walking uh, in the neighborhood of the White House and he saw that wounded man sitting on a bench crying. And he came up to him and asked him what was wrong. And, and the soldier explained how he wanted to go see uh, Mr. Lincoln, the president, and, and tell him about his brother, but he, he had no way to, to get in to see him. So the president's son took him by the hand and led him past the guards. And the story said that they all saluted the young you know, president's son and that Tad Lincoln brought him into the presence of, of his father. And we have peace with the father through his son. We, have, we are brought into the presence. We have access to the father through the son. So what I want us to do is, is start again in verse 1 and read it until the end of the sentence which is in the middle part of verse 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I love that last phrase. This grace in which we now stand. Scholar N.T. Wright says, it's like standing in the grace room. We stand we're here, we're in the grace room. You know, in, in most mornings during my prayer time, I'm sitting in my chair, and as, as a portion of my prayer time, I, I try to think back on the previous day and recall any sins, um, you know, thought, word, deed that, that I, I may have done, try to recall them and confess them, and that's a great practice, right? That's a good part of a spiritual life is to have that, that looking back and, and laying it out before God. Um, and today we're going we're gonna to pray our confessions too here. We're going to have a little time to pray our confessions before we receive communion. But I want you to know that I'm not worried either today or on, um, during my morning prayer time about if I miss one. Oh no, what's going to happen? What's God going to do me if I don't, if I don't con confess every single one? Why? Because I know that I stand in grace. I stand in grace. I'm in the grace room. That's where I live and that's where you live by faith in Christ. And, I, and here, I want to I connect the dots there. Here's what that has to do with your friendship potential. Our broken relationship with God leads to shame and blame and hiding and hurting, which damages our friendship potential. A restored relationship with God brings healing to our friendship potential. Let me just say that. Go over that again. 
Our broken relationship with God leads to shame and blame and hiding and hurting. Damages our friendship potential. A restored relationship with God brings healing to our friendship potential. So I want you to imagine with me what it would be like if, if we at Faith West would begin to take this seriously and, and recognize that we are a part of a community of grace. Right? We're in the house of grace. We are, we are a family of grace. So that healthy relationships, healthy friendships flourished here more and more. What if we were no longer victims of shame? What if we were no longer bound to blame? Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? Wouldn't that be great reason to rejoice? Every Sunday would be a, a reunion, and, and obviously we still have things we're working through, right? God isn't done with us. So we're still working on it. God's working with us. But we get to be with each other and support each other in that process. And so today, I invite you to say this prayer. God, restore my relationship with you and restore my friendship potential. Could that be your prayer? God, restore my relationship with you and restore my friendship potential. And while we're at it, it might be good to confess some of those human hang-ups. You know, how, how we've settled for superficial relationships and one-dimensional friendships and transactional friendships. Put your faith in Christ and thank Him for the grace in which you now stand.